Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Constantine Maroulis is back in New York. He is great as Alan Freed, who a lot, you know, some of you are saying, who's Alan Freed? Alan Freed was probably the first disc jockey that ever played rock and roll. He was probably the first disc jockey that ever gave the black community a break. And he changed the world in a way, and he changed music. And here to interpret it in, I have to go see it, but I have friends who saw it who said, the whole audience stood up, they went berserk. You did a great job. Thank you. You're doing a great job. And rock and roll, man. It's all happening now. So tell me what happened, how this happened. (laughs) And you're looking great. Thank you. And rock and roll was like, my time. I still remember the dancing and the singing and all the excitement because it was a new language for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and my parents as well. Um, born in Brooklyn, uh, myself, and as, well, as were my parents. And, you know, my mother and her sisters used to attend the Brooklyn Paramount and the Alan Freed rock and roll shows, the dance party uh, rock concerts with Chuck Berry, Little Richard, Jerry Lee Lewis, Laverne Baker, uh, all featured in our show Rock and Roll Man uh, right now in the heart of Broadway. Um, For me, you know, just the chance to create and originate another new role in New York, that always speaks to an actor. Um, I think people probably know me best from Rock of Ages, which was this iconic sort of 80s rock show and, you know, satirical and fun, but with a lot of heart. This, This is the origin of the genre. This is an ugly time in our country's history uh, during segregation when, you know, black artists couldn't get played on the radio. Black kids and white kids weren't, you know, allowed to hang out and listen to records at a soda shop or a record shop or go to concerts together. And it was someone like Alan Freed that stepped forward and and um, elevated. Yeah, he really did. He did. And did you know, did your family know you had that voice with a capital V from the beginning? I mean, a lot of kids can sing, but you had something different. Well, thank you. Um, you know, I'm the youngest of three, a big Greek and they family. they entertained, too. Well, they did. They did. You know, my mother had a a great singing voice. Um, she sang in, in the Greek church some. My brother is a very well-known um, entertainer, Ethan Maroulis. That's like Nathan, but right. with... Oh, that's usually it's me that has the phone ringing. Pick it up. See who it is. It's Katsimatidis, I think. He's calling. <laughs> he said, is the Greek in there? I know. I heard right. the Greek is in there. Um, <laughs> and no one is more loyal to the Greek. That's right. We love John. And, you know, for me, um, 
certainly, you know, my brother was a huge influence, and they were always talented. I, I as a youngest, as the youngest of of uh, of three, I, I worshipped my brother and sister. Of course, I worshipped them, and um, you know, I, I wanted to be just like them. Listen to their records, be in musicals, and play in bands and such. So I think from early on. Um, yeah, you know, you, you want to find your place. I, I had this big voice, this big instrument. It took me time to really um, find the confidence in it. But from a very, very, very early age, I had this, this big instrument inside of me. Who found you first and <laughs> said, this kid has something? Oh, well, that's a great question. You know, I, I, I was blessed. We left Brooklyn when I was very young, and we, I grew up in New Jersey in a uh, um, sort of affluent uh, upper Bergen County suburb. My, my parents both worked really hard. They, we didn't have much, but they wanted a better a better life for us, yeah. And, uh, you know, Brooklyn in the mid-'70s, in the late-'70s, early-'80s, it, it wasn't the Brooklyn it is right now. You know, you had that sort of Saturday night fever kind of element, right? Um and although that was a big pop movie, they, they were they were kind of, you know, they were tough kids. And it was a tough neighborhood. Um, so I had great teachers early on, you know, that were very supportive of my uh, my voice and my acting and whatnot. So I'm grateful to uh, the educational system in North Jersey and, uh, you know, very uh, supportive of the arts. And that was helpful for me. Right. And you knew that it wasn't easy for a kid to be in the arts then for a lot of reasons, but that was where you had to go. For sure. You know, I think you just, I played sports. I was a normal kid, um, um, you know, loved all things 80s, you know, G.I. Joe and wrestling and, you know, MTV. But um, And then I, TV found you, too. It did, yes. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people know you from that. <laughs> from American Idol, for right. sure. You know, in its heyday, for sure. It big was, time. It was so big, uh, Joan. Uh, it was, you know, I think in a way it was reminiscent of the big radio contests and shows that my parents uh, listened to in their in their youth, right? So it just captivates this imagination and American Idol comes along and the entire country was watching. Um, it, it's still out there running and doing great, but, you know, when you're 30 million people a night for three nights a week from January to June, that is a juggernaut. So it was a wonderful experience. I had, you know, trained at the Boston Conservatory as an actor and whatnot and toured in Rent, uh, this big Broadway yeah, show. Yeah, you definitely had the background. and But I just needed a gig, you know? I needed a gig, and I went on that audition for that show like I would for anything. And I think that that kind of informed the character I became on the show, and, and certainly that was a great platform. Was it hard getting the audition? Did you have people already, like <laughs> a producer or an agent? I was working with some representation at the time, but... Um, I think in in the early days of American Idol, you were not allowed to really have a representation. You were supposed to be sort of someone right, that unknown. was an, an unknown. Nowadays, they do very much cast the show from social media, from YouTube, from TikTok, these people that have huge engagement already. They, they find the balance. But they are casting the show. So I had a band. You know, I had been in Rent. That was a little bit of my story, but I think... For me, it was, um, 
I was a little against the grain for what they had. I was a bit of a rocker. I had long hair. And uh, I just think, yes, early on, the producers had the camera on me right away at that audition. But no, I went on an open call, like the old school cattle calls. You, you know found what a cattle in the showbiz magazine? Basically, you know, a friend, a friend of mine um, was like, let's go audition for this TV show. Now, remember, it, they had had you know, three seasons, but I was on tour, I was in conservatory, the internet, we didn't use it that way then, no, you know, just it was happening. a different time, you know, and um, so I just was hungry and needed, needed an opportunity. And you took that opportunity, <laughs> and it started happening. Sure, sure, and we had a great run on American Idol, of course, Carrie Underwood, she won my season, and she's gone on to just global superstardom uh but for me i knew that was going to happen for her uh, i was a little older i needed to sort of find my own path and that was really coming back home to theater and certainly doing records and some tv um acting as well but really um that's where i first met the producers of rock of ages and we developed they, that show yeah they recognized you from the beginning they did i think they kind of you know said this Guy is this might be new. our guy to take this show uh, to Broadway at some point, and and that's what I enjoy most about uh, collaboration. Um, it it's wonderful to play eight shows a week. It's exhausting, though. It's exhausting, but it's the it's the process getting to there. It's the developing. It's the rehearsals. It's cutting and changing and adding and casting. Um, that thrills me. The sort of um, producer elements of it as well. So, and that first show, you got big reviews. Got the big reviews. Got the nominations and all the accolades. And, and what but, did that do initially? It was wonderful. I had been on Broadway. I had done the Wedding Singer. I had done some plays so in New York a lot. and, and such. But it was um, certainly, I think, cemented me as someone that was, um, you know, um, a. a, a a player in the contemporary musical theater, which, let's face it, pretty much everything is contemporary now um, that's playing. It's rare. Uh, a show like Camelot at Lincoln Center, and although beautifully directed and beautifully staged, I think that doesn't maybe capture the modern audience um, like these new sort of rock they want pop. it. They want to dance in the aisle. They do. They do. And um, I think there's always going to be a place for the traditional kind of 20th century sound. Um, but audiences want to rock. They want to rock. They want to rock. And and even with this uh, being a show that's set in really in predominantly in the 50s, um, you know, you just hear those songs of that era. It instantly puts you in like... A just joyous place. Well, and we had that in the 50s. We had that kind of music that included all of us. Yes, ma'am. And it isn't as prevalent. We have to keep on pushing for it. You do. And you, hey, here at WABC, they're keeping it alive uh, with Cousin Brucie, and the music just plays wonderfully on, on AM, but now, of course, with FM as well. And, you know, for me... I think it was written and composed at a time to appeal to young people, but really to everybody. You know, it was brilliant in its simplicity, and the vocals were incredible. And you didn't always put a face to the song, but it was an Alan Freed that 
got to elevate the true stars like Little Richard or Chuck Berry, um, who became, you know, they could walk into any room and you would know who they were. That's right. And maybe he, maybe the dominoes, maybe the platters, maybe big time. the coasters. You might not know the face of that band. And but he burned himself out. He did. He was gone by 43. I know. It's so hard to believe <laughs> that that happened. That happened to him. Yeah, right? we get to we get to um, tell that whole story with Rock and Roll Man, the musical. Um, we meet Alan Freed really at the end of his journey, really on his deathbed, you know, um, in this kind of fever dream about his legacy and his family and the artistry. He kind of takes us back in time uh, to the Brooklyn Paramount, to Cleveland, to WJW, where really um, he played rock and roll music on popular radio for the first time. Um, you know, I know it's a controversial uh, topic, but he really did coin the phrase rock and roll. Yeah. It was it was a lyric in songs uh, before him in, in traditional uh, rhythm and blues songs. Um like sixty minute, uh, sixty minute man, and and whatnot. But he took that that phrase and popularized it, and people they were able to name what it is. Oh, rock and roll. You know that it, it's different than rhythm and blues. It's rock and roll. It's there's a a sexual connotation to it that um, was subliminal enough to speak to the youth of America, but the older people got it too. And did you use it from the beginning? It fit you? It did. It did. I think I relate to this guy. Um, when my parents, uh, when, uh, you know, when, when their parents, my grandparents came here, geez, a hundred years ago now. Hard to believe. You know, the, the Greeks, they, they, were, they, they experienced severe uh, prejudice. And I think, you know, Alan Freed had to hide the fact that his father was Jewish growing up in the Midwest in a Christian household. His mother was, was very religious and very strict Christian. Um, she's, she saw him playing swing music and playing the trombone which is a very provocative instrument yeah. you know in you know in the 1930s and 40s right um and he was fascinated by um his fellow uh, uh classmates uh, only a few of them were were african american he loved the way they sang and um the spiritual music that they sang um if you can believe it my director, who loves uh, uh, Randall Myler, we love him. He's done so many great shows from Janis Joplin and, and onward. Um, he's an, a bit of a collector like me. So he found a yearbook from the Salem, Ohio Quakers, um, the high school Alan Freed attended. And in the theater group, they're doing blackface. You're kidding. Nope. Right there in the yearbook. So, you know, it's just a completely different time in our country. And he was someone that from the beginning wouldn't have participated in that. He, he knew uh, that it was wrong. And he wanted to just, you know, he didn't have the talent that his friends did. Um, but he, he took to the microphone and knew how to just sell this music and communicate. And I think that was uh, his gift. And then... When you found yourself in this music, you made it work. Was it Broadway that you think gave you the big push? 
Well, thank you. Yeah, I think those movie musicals of my youth, you know, watching The Wizard of Oz and West Side Story oh with my, my gosh, family, the best. I mean, just masterpieces. And my mother and father would point out the Greeks in West Side Story in the movie. Of course, George Chakiris wins the Oscar as uh, mm. Bernardo. And that was just so real to me. So that something about musical theater, about the script and the score, uh, together was magical to me so that that really spoke to me it allowed me to find my voice and then mtv really informed you know me as an artist early on you know with rock and roll and uh those just incredible videos and artistry on display and the imagery you know was huge did as time went on you had to change what you were doing to keep up with what was happening in sure. the music world? Of course. I think um, as an actor, you know, you get pigeonholed. And I think everyone knows me as the rocker from Broadway, but I'm a Tony-nominated best actor. I can do whatever you need me to do. I have the long hair and that look and such, but I think as you can see in our show, you know, I get to transform into someone completely different, a conservative, you know, um, guy from the 50s you know so for me I'm always into a challenge but yeah I think as you get older I'm now in my you know mid to late 40s um if you can believe it it's been 18 whole years like since my American Idol days oh my gosh so yeah you evolve you change really and life changing it is and uh you know I think I'm doing I haven't I have new music out right now you can find uh, anywhere music streams. Um, there you are. Yeah, ConstantineMarulis.com if, if you want a simple place to find uh, you know, all the social media and, and the music. But I have a new song, Daydream, which has been informed by this experience. You know, we, Rock and Roll Man takes place in this dream. So Daydream is sort of this uh, fantasy of like that person that you just connect with on every level um physically emotionally but they only really exist in this in this dream sort mm -hmm. of um place and so you almost want to go back to sleep just so you can so see you them. can hold on to it <laughs> yeah i know i understand that you do and alan freed he's got family left he does and they found you or you found them how we, did you hook up with them yeah you know our amazing creative team you know the uh the guttermans and of course uh, rose Keola, uh Keola productions they've been wonderful producers you know the best um you can ever ask for and they've been working with the family and the estate for for some time on this show I, i've been involved the last couple of years but it had a life before me yeah. but i think it was something about you know this current cast joey pants of course joey pantaliano from just you know a, a film icon of course the sopranos but the matrix and la bamba and everything um from here to eternity was one of his first mm. gigs you know the television series and yeah. in what the early 70s yeah. uh, you know with the adaption uh, he did the sinatra role and um, he's been incredible. He gets to play both Leo Mintz, who was the the owner of the record rendezvous in Cleveland where rock and roll essentially was born. Know, people don't realize that. Yeah, like, two, two Jewish guys in the Midwest, you know, who would have thought? Yeah, that's why that, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is... Is in. I know, and that's why people would say, why would they put a Hall of Fame there? Because <laughs> that's history, where it is. History, that's where it began. And then later, Morris Levy, who was essentially a gangster uh, record label owner. He owned Birdland in the 50s. Um, 
so Joey gets to play both parts, both in Act One and then in Act Two, um, sort of the Jekyll and Hyde characters. Um, but yeah, you know, Alan was a flawed man. Um, we and I, I've I've talked to his son about that. You know, he Dick, his son knew that Dad drank he, and he had. did. He did. He was gone too too early. Um, imagine, you know, I'm I'm older than Alan was uh, when he died, and I have a 12 year old. And I can't imagine that the impact it there. would have on her if if something were to happen to me. But I I've been I've been clean and sober many years now, and um, I've never been happier. But I understand how people deal with alcoholism. And, and again, it wasn't a healthy time in our country. Like if you were a smoker, a drinker, and you had problems and you ignored them, you know, you're not going to live a long, beautiful life. But you don't think of that because... I don't, you know. I've, I, I try to take care of myself. Um, and uh, my father was gone too soon for me. You know, he suffered with uh, Parkinson's disease yeah, for many years. Terrible. And uh, my mother's hanging in there. She's fighting cancer. Um, but, you know, I think... I think that's the their their objective is for for their children to learn from them uh, to lead a better life right. in, in in all facets. And you do that, and your daughter is doing that. Does <laughs> so she far, sing? so good. She does sing, but you know it's funny. But at twelve years old, I I was like, "Make way! I'm going to the stage." She doesn't have the passion for that. She's talented. Not yet. Well, I don't know. You know, she dances, she acts and, and stuff. I think a lot of 12-year-old girls in, in this country do. Um, she's talented enough. The agent loves to call her for certain things, but she doesn't have that driving passion for it yet. She's an excellent student. She three semesters on the high honor roll. She plays travel sports, a very competitive soccer team and tennis. So she's a busy kid. So she isn't. She's got a daddy who <laughs> does all this. And you she know, was born kids, on Broadway. Right. But a lot of times it's easier for a kid not to jump in the fray because a parent is doing that. I hope my hope for her is to not get involved in this you maniacal journey know. but you never know you know i'm hoping uh harvard princeton columbia you know like everybody else but uh so far so good she's thriving in the suburbs her mom and i co-parent um her, and live near each other we do right? live near each other she's a great mom we've been through a lot we've been through uh, a very tumultuous uh, 10 or 12 years but um we are finally in a really great groove these last few years of co-parenting in a healthy way and uh you know i i'm thankful for her i met her mom on broadway you um, did she was acting she was acting and dancing and in, in musicals and you know sure enough we have a 12 year old now i don't know how that happened joan <laughs> it just she showed up one day that's right it's from new jersey that's it the stork <laughs> dropped, dropped her off visited yeah those those you know those chorus girls they're that's they're, right. they're they're talented and uh, we uh, we've had some some good times along the ways, but um, you know, rock and roll man is uh, the next part of my journey, and uh, we're we're really very blessed. And of course, you're bringing the music back to where it belongs a lot. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, you know, of course, Alan Freed worked in the end at WABC. After so much controversy, he he landed at WABC. He didn't last long here. Um, you know, By that point, he was such that. a provocative guy. He, he did. He, he was at WABC. Um, after, essentially, the, the Boston riot that he, he caused, um, you know, having um, 
you know, black kids and white kids, a desegregated audience for the first time in a town like Boston was, uh, was tough. Wow. Hoover came after him. The Boston PD came after him. You know, he had a myriad of arrests and whatnot. He ended up Mar via Morris Levy's connections in New York, back on the radio at WABC. Probably this must have been in the very late 50s, if not early 60s at this point. Mm -hmm. But essentially that was his last stop in New York. He bounced around a little bit, Florida, back to back to California. Did you guys know him? Your family knew of him as a DJ? My mother did, yeah. She, she went to the Brooklyn Paramount and saw the rock and roll dance party uh, live. She saw the shows. It's crazy. Um, but did it's, she appreciate them? She knew... Of course, yeah. You know, she... You know, she grew up in a, in a, in a, in a, a diverse neighborhood, um, you know, with African Americans and and every and everybody. So she she always understood the importance of uh, of breaking through that that ugly time of segregation and yeah, and, and that and music did it absolutely. That's the one sort of universal, uh, um, you know, uh, just tool that can bring us all together for yeah. sure and you see it all the time even today with kids it's the music for sure that holds them yes ma'am does your daughter love it love music she does you know it's so easy now for the kids to just hit the hit the button on their phone and stream a a, a, a great playlist and a diverse playlist as well she you know i have a new song so it gets mixed is in there is she excited about that she is she is we did some fun videos on my social media um where i uh she's in the driver's seat of my car of course it's parked safely with her little cousin and uh they're playing my song in the car bopping so around cute. to it and i'm knocking on the hey hey kid Hey, roll down the window. And she's like, who are you? You know, I said, that's my song you're playing. She's like, you're, you're not Constantine Maroulis. That's, that's Constantine Maroulis daydream. I'm like, that's me. You know, so we had some kidding, fun, so, fun yeah. stuff like that. And she loves to support. And, uh, she came to the show on father's day. So that was wonderful. And, uh, she's getting big. She's tall. She's going to be in seventh grade. She's got camp coming up, uh, with the professional soccer team in New Jersey, the Red Bulls. Um, her first. Oh, so she's an athlete. She is an athlete. Yeah, she's. It's serious stuff in North Jersey. You it's know, serious stuff anywhere. There's a school. Man, <laughs> so you you know we're paying for the, the training, the coaching, the camps, the travel. You know, there's a lot, but we love it. We you know it's it's. Did you do that when you were a kid? Or I did. It was music mostly. It was. Um, I never played travel sports. I always played rec. Played in church, uh, played some basketball in high school. Um, you know, I was never as good as the other kids. Um, now I really enjoy in my, you know, always in my adult life, I always enjoyed, you know, pickup games and it's, it's, it's fun. But um, no, she's a better athlete than me for sure. She's better at everything. Yeah. I wouldn't go that far. But, but <laughs> I don't she's know. She's gotta... in all AP classes. I was not, let's just say, I was not. But I, you didn't care. I did you not. You cared about. I just didn't, you know. I knew where I was going from and very early on. It's true, but girls are different. <laughs> they you. are. You know, girls from the time they're little want to please. That's it. And, you know, you don't necessarily please by singing rock and roll. No, man. Unless she's your kid. 
<laughs> yeah, she, um, you look, you know, I, I've uh, come from a long line of educators. My sister's a principal in a prestigious school, uh, you know, Columbia graduate. My, my brother is very well educated. You know, I had uncles that were teachers and administrators. So from very early on, we had books in her hand. We had her drawing and writing and spelling. And she was a very good reader from very early on. She took to math early on. Let's see where that goes. Right now, she's on a great track. Um, I just think there are so many incredible opportunities uh, going forward for young, strong, uh, bright women. Right. Um, and I think that we need more of that. You know, we've done so much to fight for equality um, in in pay and in just you know um, certainly in in our field as well and uh, for all for all uh, human rights um, and I think that she can be someone and I might know a couple of people down in DC uh, so right. I think I'd love to see her take her brilliant mind and get into entrepreneurial you know endeavors you know maybe you know I think it's always nice to to look at law school um, but I think she can really impact uh, you know uh, um, tech and new business, but maybe even the world of, uh, you know, politics. We'll see. She can do it all, and she's got a good mentor. Well, I'll be behind her, pushing her, she pushing knows her through. <laughs> all right. I love that you came to visit. Thank me you today. so much, Joan. You are Constantine Morales, rock and roll man. You're going to be jumping up and down in the aisles. That's right. And don't forget, music is the great equalizer. Yes, ma'am. And it's going to change your life, and we need more of it. Thank All you. All the best to you. And to you. You are such an icon. It's such a pleasure to sit with you just for a little bit. I've been a fan my whole life. So we, uh, I love that show you used to do, the matinees. Oh, do you remember Oh, Sardis? I know it. I know you it. You would come over. I got a caricature there. Arl I love that. Arlene yeah. Francis. Yes, she and I would do that show, and she was so excited. Yeah. I remember she had Frank Sinatra wow. come one day who told us what horses to bet on in the derby. And do you know that we won? Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, you can't beat a Hoboken kid. Joey Pants is in our show. He, He's you know, from he knew the, the Sinatras, and uh, they rolled in the same neighborhood. And, uh, you know, so it was pretty great. But absolutely, Broadway is absolutely back. Sardis, that whole area is just popping. Come see a Thank Broadway goodness. show. We need it. Yes, ma'am. is the best time to see a Broadway I love show. It. I love it. Quieter it is. than usual. Yes, ma'am. And go to Sardi's, have a turkey sandwich uh, or whatever. Uh, good. They got the good. I don't drink, but they got the good martinis, the chicken parmesan. And guess what? Our theater has the best air conditioning in New York. Well, that definitely. Is I got to tell a you, plus. that's a big point. That's a big plus. Especially when you're rock and rolling, honey, <laughs> you got to have to have that coolness. All right, everyone. Thank I love you. sharing Constantine with you. He'll come and visit us again. Yes, ma'am. Enjoy everything. I'm Joan Hamburg. More ahead.